You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Vermill, host of Locked On Heat. And we've got a great show for you today. We'll talk about what we expect from the final All-Star player voting and look ahead to tonight's game between the Clippers and the Mavericks. But we'll start in Houston, where the Thunder beat the Rockets 112-107 to on Monday. Chris Paul had 28 points, Dennis Schroeder had 23, and the Rockets have now lost four straight games as James Harden's shooting slump continues. He did score 29 points, but it took 29 shots. And Houston just seems to still rely on him too much in crunch time, David. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm at a point now where I think the Houston experiment has just run its course. Like they, they made some wide sweeping changes by trading for Russell Westbrook. And as much as I was concerned about whether or not they would be able to play and function together on the court as well as they do off the court, I, I'm just at a point where I believe that this team cannot function at a high level with James Harden. Whatever success they've had over the last few years, Harden and the combination with, with Mike D'Antoni is just not one geared towards winning in today's NBA. I just, I, they, he's gotten too much free reign, and I think he is problematic in his style of play. And if he's going to be shooting one of 17 as he did against Oklahoma City, that's a pretty clear indicator. Like, you can say it's a slump. You can say that it's only four games, and they'll find a way to continue winning at a pretty high level. And sure, they might be floating, you know, 10, 15 games over 500 at the end of the season, but to what end? They haven't accomplished anything. I and mean, maybe you could say that it, you know they were a bad couple games away from advancing to the finals of the, the you know, recent seasons, but they didn't. You know they they had this team with Chris Paul, and it looks like Chris Paul has turned out to be a pretty good player, and he's not the problem. I, I think the problem is and has always been James Harden, and so you're building this team around Harden, and it's just not one that can function at a high level. Yeah, I mean, I you just see this over and over again in the playoffs too, which is why I wanted to bring it up. I mean, this I understand the math works in their favor over the course of an 82-game season. I get it that they've they've been winning a lot of regular season games. They've been outperforming expectations. They almost took the Warriors. They, they almost eliminated the Warriors two years ago if it wasn't just for the math sort of, you know, going against them in that one game where they missed 27 three-pointers. But you, you looked at the way they played last year against the Warriors without Kevin Durant, and they just sort of gave the ball to James Harden and just asked him to do everything. And the math doesn't smooth out. It doesn't average out all the time in the last, you know, three, four, five minutes of a game the way it does over the course of an 82-game season. And I think they need to adjust for that. And I thought Russell Westbrook would give them a little bit of that sort of instant chaos that I thought they lacked. I thought they, but he really, like, he had a triple-double tonight. It didn't matter. It was, just, it was like another one of those empty triple-doubles that has become the brand of Russell Westbrook. And, you know, at the end of the game, it just, despite having Russell Westbrook, a former MVP there, despite having all these other guys like Clint Capella, a solid rim runner, all these things, James Harden just got in isolation against Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The, they were up by one at the time. All he had to do was make a shot or just play a decent possession and instead, he just tries to isolate a little too much, dribbles the ball a little too much. Uh, Shea pokes the ball away and then makes a dunk in transition to give the Thunder the lead. And I'm not going to say that that won the game for Oklahoma City, but it was it was a swing that was very meaningful in the last minute of the game. 
And and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, there's got to be something better than this for Houston. I know, like, this is what they do. This is the formula that they put together. But there, there's got to be a better way to play with the guys that they have. No, I, I don't think that there is. I, I think it's just, you know, I, it seems really simplistic. And I know that he's taken a lot of criticism. And Rockets fans have gotten as defensive as any fan base your superstar and this isn't a knock on heart as a person or anything like that i'm sure he's a fine teammate at times but sure he's gonna be a little ornery as a lot of superstars are but the reality is that his style of play it just doesn't work it, it, it's geared towards putting up big gaudy numbers that yield very little success and and sometimes relying so much on that one singular style of play for him to be as dominant as you can hope to for him to be that's putting too much that's expecting too much out of a single player. Like no single player should be that responsible for a team's successes and losses. It's, it has to be a team effort. Like you can count on a player to get you to, you know, almost to the precipice, but you need a more balanced scoring approach in particular in order to be able to get past that point. And that's why Houston has failed so often over the years. Let's go to Boston where after entering the night, Oh, for 28 all time against LeBron, Kemba Walker finally got his first win against him as the Celtics beat the Lakers Monday. They entered the game losers of three straight, but does that win easier concerns about the Celtics, David? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure if I see Boston as a team that can advance past the Eastern Conference, you know, out of the Eastern Conference. Like, they're a very, very good team. This is also another team not quite the same as the Houston model, obviously, but the, the exact opposite, their lack of a superstar in recent seasons has been what's helped them kind of be able to function more cohesively as a unit and you get the, the coaching of Brad Stevens who's able to maximize the talent on that roster and he's been doing this for a number of years they win a lot of games during the regular season and then they just fall short in the, in the postseason because again they lack that one singular star it's it's so weird it's, it's interesting that you're bringing that you're bringing up both these teams in the same segment because again Houston is one team that has that superstar but not the balance approach around it Boston has that balance without that one superstar. And as much as Kemba is a very good player, and, and I'm not sure if he's a, a clear upgrade on the court and over a Kyrie Irving, and the locker room he certainly is, Gordon Hayward's a great functioning player. He, you know, they got so many other key role players there to play at a high level. I don't know if I have concerns about Boston. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to be good. They're going to challenge a team in the postseason. I just don't see them as legitimate contenders out of the Eastern Conference. I have to agree with you. I mean, I do think that there's still a little bit of a problematic matchup against Milwaukee, but when it comes down to it, I, I think Milwaukee has Giannis, and he'll just do what he did in the playoffs last year, which was just overwhelm them and, and just sort of beat them down over the course of a series. Uh, to me, this game spoke a little bit more about the Lakers than it did the Celtics. I mean, they they had just gotten Anthony Davis back after uh, he was sidelined for five games with the you know, butt injury that he was dealing with. And he looked to still be sore and, and have some lingering effects from that. He looked like a guy who had just missed five games with a butt injury. So uh, he was really ineffective. LeBron had a, a solid game, but not an exceptional one. And they didn't really get much else out of their role players um, in a game on the road, which, you know, uh, you know, going from the West Coast to East Coast, you can kind of assume that that was going to happen. So, I, I thought the Lakers kind of turned in a flat performance, and it was—it's still a, a nice signature win for the Celtics in a time where they really needed it. But I was never really that concerned with them anyway. I mean, the three-game losing streak wasn't that bad. 
I, I think their ceiling is more dependent on guys like, yeah, Gordon Hayward is what he is. Kemba Walker is what he is. But I think their ceiling is a little bit more dependent on how much better guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can get this season and going forward. So I, I still think for them, the long view is let's get those guys to maybe all-star, superstar status. Maybe one of them really blossoms into the leader of that team, that superstar that they are currently lacking, like you said. But for now, I, I, I just think they sort of – I think you, you kind of hit it on the head there where they're a great regular season team. They play good team basketball, but in the postseason, they just lack that star power. Tatum and Brown, they're close. Though. I mean, they're they're at that point where they're they're right on the cusp of uh, achieving superstar status. I mean, Tatum, I think more than than Brown, but they're they're still pretty good. I wanted to ask you about Kemba Walker and his lack of success uh, against LeBron. Obviously, that's you know a nice fun statistic a lot of people have brought up. But do you think it's more of an indicator of LeBron's dominance or the team that he's played for being dominant, or Kemba's teams being that bad? I think it's no question it's Kemba's teams being that bad. I mean, LeBron has been really dominant over years over a lot of players, but a lot of players have gotten at least one win over LeBron James. I mean, the Hornets slash Bobcats were really, really terrible when Kemba Walker was there. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's definitely what it is. Speaking of Tatum and... Shout um, out Josh McRoberts. <laughs> great. Underrated big man passer. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, they did get some all-star votes. We'll talk a little bit more about the all-star voting process when we come back. And what we expect, who we expect to be named as the starters in the All Star game that's coming up. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so that you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at com.com slash locked on NBA. That's com.com slash locked on NBA. Fan voting for the All-Star Game concluded yesterday, and we could still see some movement from the last returns, which had LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Luka, Kawhi, and Harden as the five starters in the West. And then in the East, you had Giannis, Pascal Siakam, Embiid, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving. As the starters, David, I I don't really have a problem with any of the starters, except for Kyrie. It just seems so obvious that Kemba Walker should be in there instead of him. And quite frankly, if Boston fans voted for Kemba as passionately and vigorously as they voted for Taco Fall, who has played all of 20 minutes this season but has over 700,000 votes, then I think Kemba would... It wouldn't even be close. Kemba Walker would be a shoo-in, but here he is trailing Kyrie Irving after our, our last returns here. It's so dichotomous, like the the way the fans feel about all star voting. It's like let's make a big joke out of it. Let's make let's have fun, uh, and completely disregard the fact that a lot of players have these kinds of ridiculous, archaic incentives built into their contracts where they have to reach all star status in order to get, collect a significant bonus. Let's forget that, you know. Although we should because that's a pretty significant thing. But at the same time, they'll they'll make a joke, a mockery out of the all star voting, but. 
dare to slight any one of the players for not having achieved all-star status, and they will let you know that it's significant, it's important, that they should have been all-star years ago. Like, I mean, Marcus Smart should have been an all-star MVP in his rookie season, of course, a lot of Celtics fans. And, of course, he's never made the all-star game and isn't likely to do so this season either. But it's just, it is ridiculous. I, the, I, I don't know if there's a way to, quote-unquote, fix all-star voting. You want fans to have some say in it. Although I think a lot of that is trumped by you know, coaches and being able to shake it out, the player and media vote and things of that sort. I mean, it balances out eventually. Mm-hmm. You won't get Taco Fall in the All Star game, but you know the, the selections haven't been so bad. I just, I agree with you 100. percent Kyrie Irving has no place on the All Star game. Like Kemba Walker has been better this year, and, and Kyrie just hasn't been a, he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been in, he hasn't made enough of a significant contribution. Like Steph Curry shouldn't be getting all-star because he's missed most of the season, and that's just fair. I mean, as much as I'd like to see him play in February, where, of course, he won't be available, you know, I'd still like to see him play and be available, but that's not the reality. He just hasn't done enough to to be rewarded for an all-star selection here, and I don't think that he has as well. Yeah, I don't know what the I, – I, I do like the fix that they have where – only the, the fan vote only accounts for 50% of the vote, and I, I understand it is a fan experience, so you have to give them a, a pretty significant portion of the vote, but then you just have the media accounting for 25% of the vote, coaches, players accounting for 25% of the vote, and like you said, nobody in their right mind, uh, those two groups are going to be voting for Taco Fall. I don't know, maybe Bob Ryan might vote, vote for Taco Fall or something like that, but other than that, nobody's going <laughs> to vote for Taco Fall, and uh, and look... I would vote, like, go Knights. You know me. I'm a big Taco Fall fan, but the dude's played 20 minutes all season. He doesn't deserve a single all-star vote. It's insane. And yet he's got more votes than Gordon Hayward does. He's got more votes than Bam Adebayo does. I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane how people are coming out for him like just because he's basically a mascot. And Kemba Walker, meanwhile, has only a million more votes than him. And, and if again, if Celtics fans voted for him as much as they voted for Taco Fall, then I don't think this would be an argument. Maybe one way to, fo- to, to fix the fan vote a little bit in regards to the injury, because Kyrie's barely played, Steph's only played four games. Maybe you have to hit a certain threshold by the time All Star voting starts in games played to even be considered, yes. or else you're just you're not an available selection for fans. Yeah, that, that sounds absolutely fair. I mean, yeah, at least as far as minutes. I mean, fans will, will be subjective about whether or not, you know, statistics being one thing more than another. But at the very least, there should be a minutes threshold. Because even as yeah. Kyrie's put up some good points during the, the few games that he's played in, it shouldn't be enough based on the fact that he hasn't played significant minutes. So I, I think that's fair. I, you know what? I wanted to, you know, for the fall perspective, like, I'd feel a little insulted. This isn't Zaza Pachulia having his home country rally behind him, you know, be supported by his home country and get those kind of votes, get the international vote uh, for, to be in the All-Star game. This is this is kind of making a mockery of him just because he's tall. Like, this isn't his problem. This isn't his fault. You, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't vote bull bull. I mean, maybe that's because Nuggets fans are a little bit more rational than, uh, than, than Celtics fans. But either way, like, I, I would feel as if I was Taco Fall. Like, I mean, I know he's not going to say that publicly because he's a rookie trying to earn the trust of the franchise and the fan base that supports him. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's still a little bit of a mockery and it's a little insult. Yeah, they make him a punchline, and that's not that's not cool. Like, even like the standing ovations and thing is awesome. I mean, that's what you're going to get when you're you're just a fan favorite in general. And 
Uh, but it does sort of make sure. the entire idea of him and the All Star vote just a punchline, and that that can't be that can't be good. Other than that, I, I you know, not to just completely you know crap on the fans this entire time. But I think the rest of this, the rest of the spots right now, I think are pretty good. Pascal Siakam recently overtook Joel Embiid uh, for the second most votes in the front court in the East. I don't really have a problem with any. Like it's going to be Giannis, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. Behind them, you've got guys like Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum. I think you can make an argument for Jimmy Butler, but I really don't have a problem with those top three. Uh, Trey Young leads all the guards by far with uh, in votes as the number one guard in the East. I, I think he more than deserves that. I, I would definitely just put Kemba Walker in there over Kyrie, which I expect to happen. And then in the West, I really don't have any problems with this. Luka and James Harden in the backcourt. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi in the front court. I mean, if anybody... If you could argue anybody out of there, it would probably be Kawhi, and that's just from a games played standpoint. But I, I don't have any. I don't. I don't think yeah. there's anybody that needs to be in there other than Kawhi. Now, you know, it's interesting though. Like all uh, out of the ten players that you mentioned, that are currently you know being uh, selected as starters. Only one of them does not play for a team with a winning record, and so I wonder how much of that should be taken into consideration. Like from my perspective, I, I, I look. I think Trey Young puts up a lot of again, big numbers but aren't they empty calories too like I mean should, should he be rewarded for those I know the, the rationale and maybe I'm putting very current the also game should be fun Trey Young is fun let's have Trey Young be an all-star and that's fine and if that's your criteria that's fine also but I mean I think you you can't have them both ways you can't say well I value winning above all else and then when Trey Young puts up a lot of points and he doesn't win a lot because his team is in particular good, and maybe that's not necessarily a reflection on him, although he does have glaring weaknesses, particularly on defense, you know, should he be rewarded with an all-star game or is that something that maybe we should reconsider? I think that's fair to point out, and I think what helps Trey Young is that he's only in his second season and that we didn't have any expectations for Atlanta this year. And he doesn't he hasn't established that reputation as an empty calorie score right now. It's like this is why Zach Levine right now, despite his numbers, is is sixth in all-star voting among guards in the East. Because we all agree this is an empty calories guy who doesn't deserve a spot in the East. But we all are very bullish on Trey Young and believe that he's a winning player. Now we could be wrong, but right now we haven't been it hasn't been proven one way or the other. Would like for you, would you rather have a guy like Kyle Lowry in there? Like Ben Simmons? Like who would you rather have as far as the guards go? Like the guards in the East are Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But you, you would take yeah, those guys. I guess. Yeah, Jaylen I think Brown? so. I, I think. I mean, oh no, no, I wouldn't have Jalen there. But I, I think Simmons. I mean, I think he's done enough, especially now with Embiid's injury. Uh, you know, Eastern Conference player of the week as we're recording this, so it's it, it's worth considering. I mean, maybe his, his statistical output isn't the same as Trey's, but again, that's largely due to Trey playing on a bad team with you know John Collins hurt and suspended for most of the year and, and a number of injuries. To give Herder and others, and, and the fact that they're not really a legitimate playoff contender, yeah, he, he's free to have. Look, look the difference between like John Morant putting up big numbers in Memphis and having pushed the Grizzlies into playoff contention versus, you know, and unexpectedly so because the Grizzlies weren't supposed to win a lot. They were rebuilding in an active rebuild. And meantime, you have Atlanta, who's been in an active rebuild for, I don't know, a decade maybe. And, 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 you know, he's putting up all those points, and it, it hasn't translated to success. It's not because the Eastern Conference is so much better than the West. We know that's not the case. So what's the difference between one player, a rookie, and a, a young player in Morant, putting up 
these big numbers versus Young. I, I think I think the fact that he's putting up these shots and he's a, he's a fantastic passer and all that, I think he's fun to watch. But to me, anyway, and I, and I think there is some people, there are some people talking about him being somewhat empty as far as his production is concerned. And I, I think it's a valid argument. I think it's something to yeah. look at. I don't want to be the fun police, and maybe that's the way I'm coming across. But at the same time, I, I just don't like his game as much as others do. And the the easy fix to all of this is if you're just going to put everybody into a player pool and have captains pick their teams, then why have five guys from one conference and five guys from the other? Just have the the ten best players and your two leading vote getters get to pick the teams, right? I mean, we're going to be in a situation where there's probably some guards in the West who don't make it, and there's some less deserving guards who do make it just because they play uh, in the East. The lone game of the night, the Clippers play the Mavericks, which could serve as a showcase for Kristaps Porzingis' return. We'll talk about that after the break. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On NBA is a great way for your local business to reach passionate NBA fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with NBA fans in a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash ADVERTISING and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash ADVERTISING. We look forward to hearing from you. There's only one game on tonight when the Clippers play the Mavericks in Dallas. Kristaps Porzingis is expected to play after missing the last 10 games with right knee soreness. David, we've talked a lot about Luka this season, but the Mavericks are good. They are in the playoffs right now. What are your thoughts on the Mavericks overall? Yeah, I think we, we talked about it earlier in the season, and I don't know that my perspective has changed so much. Like They're they're fantastic on offense. They've been very, very good, and even without Porzingis there, they've managed to go 6-4 and four over the last 10 games. That's nothing to complain about, really. And, and I, you know, obviously, Doncic is a superstar. I think they're very, very good offensively as a team. I, I still think they have glaring problems defensively, and that's a problem. I know Przingis can't help that. I believe they were 10 points per possession worse without Przingis over the last 10 games. So clearly, he's going to make an impact on defense, just if for nothing else, being a big body. But I still think even when he was in the lineup and he was healthy, he wasn't contributing enough at, a, at such a significantly high level where I believe them to be legitimate title contenders. Like, they're going to be a fun team in the playoffs to watch. Just nothing else because Doncic is fantastic. Uh, and maybe that's my own personal opinion here, but I, I, that's the way I feel about Doncic in particular. And I think that Dallas offense could be a lot of fun to watch. But I just don't see that Mavericks team is currently constructed to say, oh, yeah, they've got real legitimate playoff contention. There's a status there where they're going to be a Western Conference finalist. And I don't see them being the representative in the finals for the Western Conference. Yeah, I think if you gave Mark Cuban some truth serum. A year or two away, they've made some progress. Yeah. I I think if you gave Mark Cuban some, some truth from the truth serum, he would probably tell you the same thing, that he doesn't really expect them to make it to the to the NBA Finals. But uh, when all these Andre Ru- Drummond rumors were kind of going on, it just never quite made sense to me. Could he help them defensively? Yeah, probably. But it doesn't help that I don't think he moves a needle enough to really change their their outlook this season or really in, in going forward. I think they've gotten actually some pretty 
good contributions from Dwight Powell and Maxi Cleaver and, and those guys too. I don't know that they're. I don't think Drummond's necessarily an upgrade over that over that duo in, in mm-hmm. at, at the five spot. But uh, I like overall sort of the 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 way the roster functions. They've got a bunch of really good role players. Uh, kind of reminds me of the Raptors a little bit of last season without the high end you know superstar power. Of like guys like Kawhi and then you know the high end contributions of a guy like Marcus Saul and Kyle Lowry and those guys last year, but just from the standpoint of they're gonna they're never gonna put somebody on the court that is a major weak point that is a huge vulnerability, and they they if they can get to like eight guys nine guys in the playoffs, I think that they could basically win a lot of these sort of reserve minutes in a, in a in a playoff series. But ultimately, I don't think they're necessarily gonna come out of the West. But that said. It'll be interesting to see how much Porzingis can help them because he was trending in the right direction coming off that injury. But I, I still think that uh, the, from the injury that he was coming from, I, I think that this is maybe more of a next year play for him. And if he could sort of be that superstar next to to Luca, which he's been good but not quite to that level, uh, that completely changes everything for them because now you've got two legitimate superstars surrounded by a bunch of role players who don't really take anything off the table. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I, I mean. I think he's exceeded expectations for Zings. Even in the limited minutes that he's played, I, I think there was always a, the possibility that he wouldn't really be making that kind of a significant impact until this year. And I, I don't think a lot of people expected Doncic to have the breakout that he had this year. As good as he was last year, as fast as he was last year, his rookie season, I don't think a lot of people expect him to be the kind of superstar that he's been this year. And so uh, they're, they're, they're having a great time. They're, they're a good, fun team to watch. Rick Carlisle's doing, as you can expect, a phenomenal job getting the most of that team. And uh, they're playing at a pretty high level. I just, you know, maybe, maybe it shouldn't concern us whether or not they're a legitimate contender or not, but uh, it, you know, that's the question about this team. And Porzingis is going to help, and he should make them a little bit more stable defensively, but uh, uh, still not enough to actually push them into contention status. Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked on NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. For David Ramil, I'm Wes Goldberg. Thanks for listening.